On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll celebrate Wander Day and consider the fallout from another Mets injury. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, June 23rd, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm Al Melchior. I'm here with Michael Beller. And uh, Wander Day was fun, Michael. Wander Day delivered. Wander <laughs> delivering on Wander Day. It would have been strange if Wander didn't deliver. On, would we still get to call it Wander Day if he didn't deliver? Who cares, right? I mean... This is why we've been excited about this guy for as long as we've been excited about him delivering right away, showing up with a big one. Yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's start with the injury news, and unfortunately, uh, we're going to lead off with the Mets here, as we have way too often this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Stroman leaving in the second inning of the Mets game against the Braves with a sore hip. There is currently no timetable for Stroman's return. In the meantime, uh, the Mets have already made plans to bring up Tyler McGill to start for them on Wednesday against the Braves. McGill having a nice season in the minors. He's uh, split it between double a Binghamton and AAA Syracuse. Uh, he's got a 3.35 ERA and 59 strikeouts in 40 and a third innings across those two starts. So I think right away you've got some NL only uh, intrigue here. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just an unfortunate uh, timing too for the Mets where they really need a lot of pitching and, and don't have much. Yeah, I think so. And I think that also helps out McGill. We've, we know about Joey Lucchese getting Tommy John surgery. And so you know, McGill's got about 140 innings of professional experience since 2018. He's 25 years old, the sort of guy who was really hurt by not having a 2020 season to develop further. He probably would have elevated to the AAA level in the 2020 season had there been one in the minors, and maybe we could already even be talking about him without an injury as a major leaguer, but he's proved one thing across his 140 innings. It's that he can strike dudes out, striking out comfortably more than a batter per inning in those 140 innings. So I think NL only easily and maybe even pitching needy teams and 15-team mixers could take a look at him. All right. Uh, Also, in some Mets news, you mentioned Joe Lucchese uh, having Tommy John surgery this Thursday. Michael Conforto initially supposed to be activated already this week. Uh, That was pushed back to Wednesday. There was a positive COVID-19 case uh, in Syracuse where he was uh, doing his uh, rehab work. Uh, But Conforto himself has tested negative. So he is okay to be activated on Wednesday. A bunch of activations, actually, uh, on Wander Day. Max Scherzer back. Uh, He certainly (laughs) made his presence known. Mm -hmm. Uh, Max Muncy is back. George Springer. Luke Voigt. He had a big game. We'll talk about that. Uh, Danny Duffy. He'll be back this week. Uh, He's going to start against the Yankees this Thursday. So very good news there. Going the other way, back on the I.L. Max Freed going on the I.L. with a blister. Kyle Wright being called up to take Freed's spot in the rotation. Sonny Gray is going to make a rehab start for AAA Louisville this Thursday, so he might be in play for us next week. We'll uh, check that out later in the week. And a few players who had to leave games early, in addition to Marcus Stroman on the Tuesday slate, Justin Upton, 
exiting against the Giants with lower back tightness, uh, no timetable yet for his return. Gatel Marte uh, leaving with a tight hamstring. He is considered day-to-day, and Mookie Betts leaving with the stomach issue could be back as soon as Wednesday night to face the Padres again. And Alex Manoa suspended five games for throwing at Michael Franco. So uh, with no further ado, let's get to the uh, the standouts. Wander Franco, two-hit game, reached three times. That, that first at bat forced a, a walk uh, after being down 0-2 and then uh, hit a monster blast. Also a double for him. Big, big night for Wander Franco against the Red Sox. It's exactly what we expect of a, a guy who's the, this sort of prospect. And again, as I said a couple of minutes ago, why we were so excited about him all season, going back to you know, last year, the year before, basically since we've known about him and why we were all clamoring for him to get the call. Now that he's here, I mean, this is going to be a really, really, really fun guy right from the jump this season. And uh, it makes um, another reason that makes the Rays appointment viewing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you made a good call uh, on the, I believe it was the Monday show when we were talking about players coming off the IL and whether or not to start them. Luke Voigt was one of them. You said, go ahead and start them. I ignored you. And <laughs> at my own peril, because <laughs> Luke Voigt seems to be back. Uh, his first game back, two for three with a walk, uh, homered and tripled. So almost duplicating the wander line. Uh, doing so against the Royals. So it does look like Luke Voigt is indeed back. Tyler Naquin, we haven't talked about him in a while, got off to a very hot start earlier in the season. Uh, Big game for him, four for four against the Twins, including his 12th homer of the year. Uh, There's a a little bit of a a roster crunch there in the Reds outfield uh, with Aristides Aquino trying to uh, kind of shoehorn himself into that situation. Uh, Where do you see Naquin being relevant at this stage of the season? I think he is still relevant in 14 and 15 team mixers. I think with what we've seen from him all season long and, you know, really like he's the best solution for them in center field right now. And, you know, they don't seem to want to play Shoko Akiyama every day. And Naquin's really the only other person who can handle the position defensively. And so I think that that's really going to help him just as much as the bat and what he's done at the plate this season is the fact that he's got to be their center fielder as long as they don't want to give up an automatic out in that position. So, I think, yeah, 14, 15 team mixers. I wouldn't go quite to 12 because of the playing time concerns, but I could see 12 if you really need uh, a shot of in the arm of power. But either way, I do think that this is someone who you're looking at in those 14, 15 team mixed leagues. Okay, well, much like Naquin, uh, Akil Badu, you have to worry a little bit about him sitting against lefties. But um, he's really, uh, after a, a spell where he wasn't playing quite as much and striking out a lot, he's really uh, turned it on. And uh, went two for five on Tuesday against the Cardinals, hit his tenth double of the season. So his slash night slash line right now is two seventy, three sixty four, four ninety three with eight steals, and really out there in a lot of mixed leagues. Twenty eight percent roster rate on CBS, fifteen percent on ESPN, eleven percent on Yahoo. So unless you're in a really deep league, there's a good chance that Badu's out there. And I think he's playing enough to merit inclusion in those same kinds of leagues that you just talked about with Naquin. With you completely, and I'd be willing to bet, Al, that over the next five weeks, if my quick math is correct, that those playing time concerns are going to be gone. Someone, (laughs) if not some ones, are getting traded away from Detroit, and Badu's going to be playing every day from the trade deadline on. Excellent point there. Excellent point. Uh, Elvis Andrews, I am pretty confident we have not talked about him all season long because he's just not 
not hit and therefore not really made himself relevant in fantasy, but that's starting to change. He had a three hit game at Texas on Tuesday night, hit his 15th double. And I have to say in the box score that really stood out to me. I'm like, wow, Elvis Andrews has 15 doubles. Uh, so he's 14 for his last 44. That's a 318 average and hit six of those doubles over that stretch. So maybe that's partly why it snuck up on me. A lot of those doubles coming recently. Uh, so, I mean, up to this point, I think Andrews has been pretty much AL only, but is it time to start thinking about him maybe in 15 teamers? Maybe. I think you would have to have some sort of injury concern to really be thinking about him there. He obviously doesn't run nearly as much as he used to. He's not going to give you any sort of power. So you're really hoping for rates and runs. And I don't know how much of that he's going to do for you. I think he's more of a short-term fix than a long-term fix in mixed leagues. All right, well, let's get to the pitching and start with a couple of pitchers that we've been kind of touting uh, as, as streamers for this weekend for this particular uh, slate of games. Ross Stripling and Chris Flexen both delivered. Stripling, uh, two, or I'm sorry, one run over six innings on two hits and a walk with seven strikeouts at Miami, a terrific pitcher's duel with Sandy Alcantara and Chris Flexen going six and two thirds at home against the Rockies. Just one run allowed on four hits and two walks, six strikeouts for Flexen. Uh, I'm certainly more interested in Stripling for the long haul as a pair, uh, as opposed to Flexen. I think you really have to pick your spots with him. Am I being maybe a little too pessimistic here? I don't think so. And so uh, since we're on the same page with Flex and I'll just focus on Stripling for a second, I went looking through his game logs trying to find something that we could point to as to why he has suddenly been so much better over the last six weeks than he was over the first six weeks of the season. And there's really not much. I mean, he is throwing his four-seamer more than he's had like a steady uptick in four-seam fastball usage from the beginning of the season. And so maybe that foundational pitch and commanding it has let his secondaries flourish. Whatever the reason is, he's looked really good now for six weeks running. And this is the sort of pitcher that he looked like he had, he could be, if he got a consistent run in the rotation back when he was with the Dodgers, he's finally getting that run with the blue Jays. And I think you want to get in on him while you still can. All right. Well, there's there's not really any getting into uh, to be had with Zach Greinke. He's uh, pretty much rostered everywhere. Uh, but I personally have had trouble figuring out really how to deal with him on a start-sit basis and uh, did a little research on him. It's a piece that's just out now on The Athletic. But basically, he he delivered the prototypical Zach Greinke start against the Orioles on Tuesday. Seven and a third, one run allowed, but only four strikeouts. Uh, and that's been the M.O. for Granke, uh this season. And long story short, Michael, what I found is that the Astros defense is giving their pitchers an enormous assist. Uh, pretty much everybody that's had any kind of innings for them has a BABIP of like 260 or lower. Um, just great defense. So check out the piece uh, if, if you can. Uh, it was really surprising to me how much uh, defense is making an impact there. So that that certainly is going to help Granke uh, down the stretch. And uh, his opposite number in this game, Jorge Lopez, six and a third, six strikeouts, uh, two runs allowed. That's a pretty nice line against the Astros. And he does have 26 strikeouts in his last 26 in a third, not getting many swings in the zone, which is terrific, but when when batters do swing, they're connecting a lot too. So I'm not really sure what to make of Jorge Lopez. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to make of him either. I still think he's more of a streamer than someone that sticks on a roster and gets to uh, trot out their start after start after start. Just not quite enough consistency. Still walking too many guys. We're still talking about a guy that even with uh, the recent success has an ERA over five. All the ERA estimators have him over five as well. So 
Maybe we can talk about him a little bit more as a streamer, but not someone who we're interested in as a roster fixture. All right. Well, time to look at some streamers for Wednesday. We've got five that I think are worth thinking about, uh, four of which are involved in streamer versus streamer matchups. Eric Fetty versus Vince Velasquez, John Gant versus Matt Manning. And then we've got Caleb Smith. Uh, you're not going to be able to stream his opposite number, uh, Brandon Woodruff. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Smith turns in a good enough start for you to use. So uh, Fetty, Velasquez, Gant, Manning, Smith, you like anybody here? I kind of want to pass unless I really need a streamer. If I am in that camp that really needs a streamer, I would look at Matt Manning, I suppose, with the Cardinals not really swinging the bats all that well right now. But I don't know. No one here is really getting my juices flowing to where I feel like I need a start on uh, Wednesday. All right, and so the Tigers do not pass the uh, No one passes the John Gant test, Al. John no Gant one. test. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, let's uh, finish up here with a couple of prospects. Uh, Luis Gill for uh, the Yankees. He just recently was promoted from AA Somerset to uh, AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, and uh, rightfully so, just absolutely dominated at uh, Somerset, 50 strikeouts and 30 and two-thirds innings. So with Davey Garcia really not pitching well at all in AAA, I, I think Gil has the, the opportunity here maybe to be the next guy up for the Yankees. It's going to be an interesting situation to watch. Uh, obviously, the Yankees are not having the season they thought that they would have. I still think the AL East is wide open with the Red Sox a little bit out over their skis, I think, and Tyler Glasnow's injury uh, putting the Rays in a tiny bit of disarray. And so the Yankees, I think, are going to try to make a move in the rotation. Uh, but if they can't, or even if they do, uh, we could definitely see Luis Hill up in the up in the majors. And yeah, with Davey Garcia's uh, uneven performance, definitely looking like someone who could get an opportunity after a few successful starts at AAA. I think he needs to show he can master or at least do well at the AAA level before they would even consider bringing him up to the majors. All right, and then a hitter to consider here, uh, somebody who's really uh, come on my radar least recently, Samad Taylor, uh, just turning on the power this year after not showing a whole lot previously. He's in the Blue Jays uh, system, plays a bunch of positions, mostly second base, but so far this year hitting 322 with 11 homers and 16 steals at AA New Hampshire. Uh, so the, the, the speed's been there, but the addition to the power makes him pretty intriguing. I think so, too. And this is obviously something more of a long-term project in the fantasy world. Uh, we're not going to see him uh, make any sort of impact this season with how loaded the Toronto lineup is. But definitely someone for those of you in longer-term leagues to be watching the rest of this season. If he can take another step forward, uh, get to the AAA level, we could be talking about him as part of a really cool lineup or maybe as someone who is a centerpiece of a trade for next season. There's a lot to like with what he's doing so far. Yeah, just uh, what the Blue Jays need, right? Another uh, very good <laughs> young hitter. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And we would just ask if you have a moment to rate and review the podcast, uh, that we would greatly appreciate it if you do so. So, on that note, I'm Al Melchior. And for Michael Beller, we'll be back here on Thursday. Thursday.